I've watched six films that have been released in 2022 so far. Only six? I mean, I've only watched I've only watched ten. Um, I've watched three movies that I would say were great, mm-hmm. and three that I think were good. Okay, my guess on that is every, everything everywhere all at once. After Yang and this one are yeah, your great ones. Those are my great ones, and then the three good ones were The Lost City, Cyrano, and Three Months. I haven't watched anything that I've been disappointed in. Part of me wants to really just like try to keep the streak going of avoiding the bad, which I know it seems like intuitive. Like, yeah, well, duh, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're all trying to do. For but- the most part, I try to watch movies that I think could be four stars. And a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's lower. But if it doesn't have that expectation in my mind that it could be four stars, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears. Oh, here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing Robert Eggers' newest movie, The Northmen. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question... What is your favorite Nicole Kidman performance? I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and I feel like Nicole Kidman really loves to just torture herself. Like, just going back and looking (laughs) looking through her filmography, um, she's playing a lot of really intense characters. And I think my favorite performance from her, I would not argue is her best performance, but it is my favorite, is from Paddington. Um, the first Paddington, she she plays the villain, and I think she goes full arch, she goes full over the top, and it seems like she's having so much fun, and I just really, really enjoy that side of her, which I don't feel like we ever get to see. Yeah, I mean, it's if you if the, if the question was like, what's the most fun Nicole Kidman has ever had? Like, that's absolutely the answer. It, For that's, sure, that's a it's a. Gr- great thing to watch. I'm Sandra Omstutz. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I asked this question because I feel like even though she is not the star of this film that we're about to discuss today, we're really having a Nicole Kidman moment right now. I feel like she's a, um, a fixture in our pop culture conversation. This isn't my answer, but a close runner-up for me is right, recently her performance in her AMC pre-roll video. Um, <laughs> you know how obsessed I am with this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we haven't had a discussion about it, I don't think, Lucas. The we AMC, have not, no. Nicole Kidman pre-roll. No. <laughs> I love it so much. I recite it as, it as I watch it every time I go to the movies. Um, I actually think... Um, Somehow a heartbreak feels good in a place like this is a perfect <laughs> piece of writing. And she's perfect in it. Um, that's Ugh. not my answer, though. My favorite Nicole Kidman performance. My instinct when I thought of this question, the first answer that came to mind is um, her performance in Stoker. Um, <laughs> I love Stoker. And I think that was the first film that made me aware of just how, like, 
amazing Nicole Kidman can be. I'd always like seen her in movies and liked her, but that was the one that kind of awakened me. She like vacillates between being very restrained and very unhinged in that film in a way that really works. She's also so doll-like and committed. And when she gets to like really commit herself to a role, which I think she seems to love to do, um, (laughs) she gets to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to have to rewatch Stoker. It's been a very, very long time since I've seen that. I watched the trailer for it in in preparation for this, um, Mm -hmm. just to remind myself. And it looks, and it's like, oh, yeah, this movie's great. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's a really good movie. Um, Lucas, before we talk more about Nicole Kidman, I want to know what you're feeling this week. This week I'm feeling Crying in H Mark, which is a book by Michelle Zahner. It's a memoir about really watching her mother slowly die from cancer, um, which sounds extremely depressing, but it, it's a very powerfully written story. Um, and it's about like her experience growing up Korean American and how her mother's death has really forced her to kind of forge her, her own identity. Um, also Michelle was recently nominated for a Grammy for her brand, for her band, for her band, Japanese breakfast. Um, but the book actually doesn't spend a lot of time digging into, kind of that side of her career it's it's truly mostly focused on on her you know familial relationship and music does play into that a little bit but um i was surprised how much this is just truly a memoir um and i really just think it's it's beautifully written i think it's such an interesting story um that you don't really get to see of just kind of the slow decline of cancer and what that does to people um and I loved it. I really did. So if you're down for a depressing read, Crying in H Mart is a great, great, great book. You know, I'm almost never down for a depressing read. (laughs) However, you are the second close friend of mine to like highly recommend this book. Once multiple people start telling me about a book that's like so good, that's when I really start to listen. And so this is one that I definitely should check out because... It comes recommended by great people. Yeah. I, I think it's fantastic. I think if you, even if you aren't like this, this kind of story is nowhere close to your real life experience. I just think like the way it digs into family and the difficulty of family relationships and children being different and yet the same as mm-hmm. their parents. Yeah. Um, I think it just has a really good, good viewpoint on that and um, kind of how, how living your life is, is naturally entwined with uh your relationship with your parents no matter no matter what you do mm. well that sounds really great yeah. um I'm, I'm so glad that you that you've brought that up because again someone recommended this to me a while ago and then you put it in the back of your mind and then you're like oh that's right i should be reading this yeah yeah, yeah. it's a great one i definitely recommend everybody checking out <laughs> if if you can get over the hump of what it's about sure <laughs> so how about you what are you feeling this week so um, I don't remember how long ago it was that I mentioned that I was feeling the first season of Starstruck. I think it was back when we about had a Rebecca month ago. On. No, it was very recently. <laughs> I feel um, like you've I feel like you blazed through it, right? It was, you know, not in the past couple of months. I don't think. Um, I guess not. When did we time have Rebecca is, on? What did we have? What episode did we have me. her on? For? That was that was Tick Tick Boom. So it was like December. Yeah, it was like November, October. I don't know, but maybe maybe more recent than I thought. All that to say, Starstruck, Starstruck season two just came out, and I did not delay watching that, and that is exactly <laughs> what I'm feeling this week. Um, 
Lucas, did you ever watch Starstruck, the first season? No, it's still on my list. Yeah. Um, if you didn't listen to that episode of Tick, Tick, Boom, where we where I recommended the first season of Starstruck, the premise is it's sort of like a gender-swapped TV version of Notting Hill in that a um, young woman meets a man at a bar, has a one-night stand with him, and then realizes the next morning that he's a famous movie star. And the season is about the two of them having this chemistry and being very drawn to each other and constantly kind of it not working out and then them but them still being drawn to each other and it's a romantic comedy and it's so delightful um the one like minor issue with the show is that i'm going to spoil the end of season 1 ever so slightly in that it's a romantic comedy where the two people end up do getting together at the end so like you know how much of a yeah. spoiler is that but <laughs> just so you know um I think season one is a perfect story in itself. Um, it ends so beautifully. I remember when it when I finished it, not knowing if they it had gotten a season two, and thinking like, if it doesn't, that's fine because it ends so perfectly. And so, with a romantic comedy that's a TV show, every TV show struggles with what do you do once the two characters that you've been like yearning to be together. Once they finally get together, what does the show become then? Um, and some shows handle it really well and some shows don't. And I was nervous about how this one would um, in a season two. And what I have to say is that it does so very admirably. Um, does it have like the spark of a season one? No, <laughs> no, no romantic comedy. I think can ever, the spark can never be as great once two people have gotten together as it is like when you're hoping that they'll get together. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of a rom-com. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. Right. But what instead, instead of spark that we get in season one, we get a lot more, I think interesting analysts into our lead character who is so lovable, but ultimately like a self-sabotager. And, (laughs) um, we get to see like, what a person like that, how a person like that ticks and how a person like that who is so capable of love has a hard time actually being in a relationship. Um, I think it's still plenty romantic and there's still very swoon worthy moments. Um, the chemistry is still there. It's still very fun and it's also still so easy to watch. It's like, I think five episodes, maybe, maybe six at the most, um, 30 minute episodes, easy to blaze through in a night or two. Um, so yeah, Starstruck continues to be like peak rom-com TV. Nice. It's definitely on my list. I will absolutely check it out. Yeah. I think you'll like it. The, it is like a, uh, for anyone who, again, it wasn't familiar. It's a British show. Um, which obviously was why I think in particular Lucas will get into it. <laughs> um, the lead character is from New Zealand. She, but she's living in London. Um, it's, yeah, it, it has so much going for it. Yeah, that's awesome. What is it? You're either in or you're out right now. Um, okay, so before we talk about the Northmen, I also want us to return to a segment that we've abandoned for quite a while on this show, just because there we haven't been that interested. But this week, I'm very interested 
and us going in or out on some recent trailers that have been released. Um, During in or out, we talk about recent trailers and whether we are in or out on seeing that movie in its full once it comes out. The first one that I want us to talk about is my most anticipated movie of 2022. And that is Fire Island, written by Joel Kimbooster, directed by Andrew Ahn. It is a um, loose adaptation of Pride and Prejudice set on Fire Island with a group of gay men. Um, And the trailer finally dropped this week. The movie comes out on June 3rd on Hulu. Um, I'm going to save my thoughts until I've heard what you have to think, what you think about this Fire (laughs) Island trailer, Lucas. I thought it was very good. I was actually, I mean, this, this isn't a movie that I think I had a lot of expectations for. Um, but this, um, I thought the trailer was very sweet. It felt very A24. Um, I know this is coming to Hulu, but the, the more I watched it, the more I was like, this feels, um, like a very emotional, very well done movie. Um, and I gotta say, I'm pretty excited for it now. (laughs) So the trailer got me hyped. Okay. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, I couldn't be more hyped for this movie. Like I'm just like giddy with how hyped I am. Person one, the premise alone is fantastic. Um, but I'm also super hyped because I'm such a big fan of Joel Kim Booster, who stars in this movie and wrote it, as well as a bunch of the other actors who I've listened to their podcasts, like Matt Rogers and Bowen Yang. But uh, yeah, everything about this movie is so up my alley. This trailer, I think, is really fantastic. Um, I've watched it probably as many times as I watched the Spencer trailer when that came out. And <laughs> it's a trailer that, like, when it drops, I just want to keep watching it because it gets me so excited and I love all the moments so much. Um, I think it's the perfect balance of really funny. Like I can remember at least like one, two, three, four gags in the trailer that made me laugh out loud. Um, and then also it makes the movie look very beautiful. I think there a movie with this premise could easily just be comedy and not be that great to look at. Um, but I think the trailer does a good job of showing that like, this movie was made with a lot of care. And um, yeah, I'm just so, so excited. I think it'll be fun. I don't have a lot of experience with Joel Booster other than kind of what you've brought up on the podcast. Sure. But um, he seems great in this. I think it's, it. I mean, Bowen Yang is obviously amazing. So I'm, yeah. I'm very pumped to see where this goes. I would, you know, Lucas, if you are interested in delving more into um, their dynamic, Bowen Yang and Matt Rogers have a podcast that I listen to religiously called Lost Culturistas. And um, Joel Kimbooster is a fre- frequent guest on that podcast because the three of them are best friends. Um, and if you were interested in like just, yeah, diving in a little bit, listening to one of the Joel Kimbooster episodes, I think would be very fun. Um Oh, one other thing, last thing I wanted to say about the Fire Island trailer is that this trailer actually, you said it reminded you of kind of like an A24. It's not an A24 movie. Mm -hmm. It's a Fox Searchlight movie. Um, But to me, it kind of reminded me of a Nancy Myers movie in certain ways. Um, Yeah. The way that like a Nancy Myers movie 
feels like you're being transported to a very polished place where like romance and comedy are just the main like elements of the world that you're about to live in, right? For, for the true. next two, yeah. two hours. And the romance crackles and the comedy actually is funny and everyone's beautiful, right? <laughs> <laughs> and all the things that make a Nancy Myers movie like so addictive and special. Like I crave them. Um and this movie had a lot of the, this trailer had a lot of those qualities that I think is very, very admirable because Nancy Myers even though those movies seem like cotton candy, sweet, easy rom-coms, they don't seem like complex, deep films on their surface. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually incredibly hard to pull off that aesthetic in a way that's pleasing and that you want to keep coming back to. Um, and this movie, I, I think, might do it. So that's that's my whole Fire Island spiel. I can't wait for this movie. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay, so the next trailer I want us to talk about is... The trailer that came out for Thor Love and Thunder, I think also, you know, I'm just now realizing we've also had a Doctor Strange trailer come out, but to be quite honest, I have no interest in talking about the Doctor Strange trailer. <laughs> um, I'm only interested in talking about the the Thor Love and Thunder trailer. Uh, do you feel the same way? I, I don't. I can't tell you if I've actually seen the full um, Doctor Strange trailer at all. Yeah. It, it has come on and I've just kind of... I haven't been paying attention really, but I'm actually kind of excited for the movie itself. Mm. Um, but only after watching this Thor trailer. You're <laughs> so, excited no. for Doctor Strange after watching Thor? Yes, only because I'm like, oh yeah, Mar- Mar- Marvel can be fun. So I now, now I'm just like, well, let's catch up with with kind of what I've missed. So I haven't sure. seen Spider Man. Um, will I mean I'll eventually see Doctor Strange, but I like seeing them in order. So I can't right. watch Thor until I watch doctor strange yeah i know that's not how it actually works but that's how my mind works right i have a hard time imagining that they'll be super connected i agree (laughs) um but uh, speak uh, to discuss like our, our general marvel feelings i personally have been very burnt out on marvel lately Mm -hmm. um i didn't like eternals um I think Shang-Chi was good, but it didn't generate enough enthusiasm for me for, like, the franchise of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, Spider-Man definitely was good, but again, also a little tiresome, like the Spider-Man press cycle. Doctor Strange, I hated the first movie, and so the second one looks interesting, but has, does not excite me at all. And part of me, I, I didn't watch... Um, there's some of the, some of the Marvel series that I haven't even watched lately. I can't even remember what they're called. Um, also, mm. is Morbius technically Marvel? Mo- Morbius is Sony Marvel. Oh, Sony so. Marvel. Gotcha. So like Venom. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Zero interest yeah, in that. Let none. Me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all that to say, um, of course, I watched the Thor, the Thor Love and Thunder trailer when it came out, and as soon as it started. I was instantly reminded, like, oh, this is why I used to like Marvel movies. Marvel movies, the whole point of them is that they're supposed to be super fun. And it hasn't been very fun to watch Marvel stuff lately. It's been draining to watch it. And this trailer looks like it's going to be fun. It looks like it's going to be a return to, like, 
big, bold, laugh out loud, giddy entertainment. Um, I think Taika can, Waititi is, can real, really knows how to deliver a crowd pleaser. And yeah. also, Chris Hemsworth is perfect in this role. I don't, I think of, I'm trying to think of all the Marvel casting, if there was a better select choice. And he has just defined this role and made it so lovable. And I can't wait for this movie. How did you feel about this trailer? I like this trailer. I don't think this trailer gets into much plot stuff, which I like. Yeah. Um, I also didn't think it was like the funniest or best trailer um, I've ever seen for Marvel. But I th- I thought this like really gets you in the mood for more Marvel, which is exactly what it's trying to do, I think. So, yeah, um, yeah I like, like you said, Chris Hemsworth is has made this character um, really shine and has really brought it more into himself. And so seeing him um, get to just be funny, be ridiculous, um, work with, with Taika Waititi on something like this is very fun. And I, I mean, I really loved Ragnarok. Um, so I'm very excited to see where this goes. I have not like dug into any of the, like the casting news or anything like who's in this movie. And this trailer doesn't really give any of that away. So I have no idea what this movie's about. Um, but the movie just really put me in a good mood. The trailer really put me in a good mood. Definitely. Another thing that, like, you're right, this trailer, I think this movie's going to be very funny. This trailer doesn't reveal a ton of jokes, though. It doesn't, like, which is, I think, a smart move. But it does make you, it gives you the sense, like, this is going to be funny, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, And this movie comes out in July, right? Like, it's coming out quick for this to be the, yeah, for this to be the first trailer, the first thing that we've seen from this movie. Uh, it feels surprisingly, but I think it's it's just because they're trying to push everything toward Doctor Strange and don't want to take away from that. Sure. Um, but I think it's actually good for Thor because we're not going to be overwhelmed by Thor stuff before it comes out. So yeah, you know, it. it I I recently listened to the summer movie wait the slash film cast podcast their episode about the summer movie wager where they try to guess the box office mm-hmm. of of um those summer releases. And there was a discussion about what's going to make more money, um, Doctor Strange or Thor Love and Thunder. And I agree with the minority that I think Thor Love and Thunder is going to do really well. Um, I think this is the kind of movie that people are really eager to see right now. Um, I also, one thing that I also liked about this trailer that makes me excited is the thing that I do love about the Thor movies is... They're these space epics, right? But they're this mixture of fairy tale and space epic. And there's the worlds that we get to see in these movies can be so beautiful. Um, one of my favorite shots in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe was from the second film, the the funeral scene. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like a gorgeous visual. And this movie also seems to like be leaning into that of seeing these planets that have these beautiful mythical um, scenery creatures that we've never seen before. Um, All of that's very exciting. And, you know, we only have two of, of all the Marvel franchises. Most of them are set on earth, but the ones that are set in space are the Thor movies and the guardians movies and the guardians movies 
are visually interesting, but they're a little bit more on the wacky, edgy, grimy side. And the, and the Thor movies are on the more beautiful, fantastical side. Um, and the beautiful fantasy of the Thor movies is something that I gravitate towards more. And, and this trailer, I think, really gives you a, a really great taste of that. Yeah, definitely. Alrighty, well... You'll catch me opening weekend for Thor Love and Thunder, um, and you'll catch Lucas catching up on <laughs> Marvel's material before we before he goes to see that. Yeah, I got to figure out where I can watch Spider-Man. Yeah, so. I wonder. I, I really do. I mean, I wonder if it's still in a theater right now. I don't think it is. Yeah. No. Um, we'll see. It'll. You'll, I'm sure you can find it. Yeah. it. Actually, I do think that you can rent it now at this point. Okay. Um, Good to know. Yeah. Alrighty, well, let's discuss our main topic of the of the day, which is the Northmen. Robert Eggers as a director. Have you seen The Witch, which is, I believe, his directorial debut? I have not seen The Witch. The Witch was one of those horror movies that I was like, I really want to see this because it looks very good, and I just don't think I'll be able to handle it. <laughs> so Yeah. So I passed on The Witch but followed it very closely. Yeah. The Witch is a movie that I didn't – just when it came out, it was kind of like, oh, it's a horror movie. Of course I won't see it. Mm-hmm. Didn't really pay any attention to it. Um, and then it wasn't until – I saw his follow-up film, The Lighthouse, which we discussed on this podcast, that I was kind of like, huh, do I need to see The Witch? This is this a, is this yeah. a horror movie that I actually <laughs> have to make time for? Um, because I surprisingly loved The White House. I was dreading watching it. I watched it, fell in love with it. Um, remind me, how did you feel about The Lighthouse? I really liked the, light, the Lighthouse. I didn't think it was like, it's not my type of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked it. I didn't love it. What about it made it not your type of movie? I think just the, it felt, it's felt so um, intentionally abrasive in a way that's like, we are doing, what is it? Late 1800s, New England to a T. Um, and we're just going to have them be uh, weird and hard to, hard to get um a handle on and um i just think the characters weren't i just didn't love them at all which just made it difficult to really get into the movie yeah what i will say is that what i find very interesting about robert eggers is that on the surface if you were to describe all of his three movies to me um i would immediately and i hadn't seen any of them i would be like yuck I don't want to see any of those. (laughs) That does not sound like my kind of movie at all. Um, And when you describe not only their plots, but their tone, right? I think there's a masculinity, at least to, I think, the the most recent two. I can't speak to the witch, but there's a masculinity to them. There's a gruesomeness, um, abrasiveness that you mentioned. Um, and those are all qualities and films that I find incredibly off-putting, indulgent in ways that I'm not interested in. So he's a director that, on the surface, I would never want to watch th- their films. And yet, um, again, I saw The Lighthouse and really loved it. Um, so I find that contradiction very interesting to me. Were you excited for this movie in particular, The Northmen, which is sort of a Viking revenge yeah. epic? I would say I was 
pretty excited for it, and I was also also nervous. <laughs> what excited you? Was it just Robert Eggers, or was it other elements? And then what made was, you nervous? Yeah, I th- I think what I really love most about Ro- Robert Eggers is uh, just his visual language. I think he's like the way he shoots is so interesting, and it's always beautiful like even when he's not shooting stuff that's beautiful like even like stuff in the lighthouse it's just a perfectly composed shot um that is has a million things going on even if there's nothing in the frame you know like it's just a very you can tell it's a very smart filmmaker um making these movies and so him making you know an icelandic um viking epic I was like, this is going to be beautiful. I'm very excited to see what the, and, and it's a bigger budget. And so he really gets to, you know, go, go all out in something like this. And so all of that, I think I was really excited for. I think the piece that I wasn't excited for is the very over the top masculine, like violent, like just in the trailer, you're just like, okay, lots of rage, lots of, lots of rage, lots of, uh, murder and rape and stuff like that that i'm just like am i just going to be exhausted by this at the end of this movie <laughs> so. right. right um i was excited again after having liked the lighthouse so much to see a new robert eggers film and to see like was that a one-off or is this someone who that i like am really gonna enjoy <laughs> his films um and then i was also excited that um anya taylor joy is in this movie and she was like the star of the witch if i'm Mm -hmm. I believe so. Um, And she is someone whose career I am closely following now. I think she's so good. I think she's a star. She's so talented. And so them, and even though I haven't seen the witch, my understanding is that that was kind of a star making role for her. Um, It was, it got her a lot of attention. And so to see, to hear that they were reuniting was really intriguing for me. Um, You know, to see, a director that I'm in, intrigued by reunite with a muse um, that got me hooked on, Oh, I should probably see this movie. Um, I didn't know almost anything about the plot going into it. I, I haven't seen any trailers. Um, <laughs> I knew that it had to do with Vikings because I follow okay. Ethan Hawk on Instagram. And so I've seen <laughs> like him post a photo, you know, um, so I knew that Ethan Hawke and Nicole Kidman and Alexander Skarsgård and Anya Taylor-Joy were in this movie. And I knew it had to do with the Vikings, and that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel about The Northmen? I liked it. Um, I'm unsurprised that I liked it, I think. <laughs> but I, I, I really did like it. Um, I think one of the things that this movie does very well is um, look at, again, what the rage of revenge. And I feel like some revenge movies can get into, um, almost the like gleeful excitement of revenge in a way that like can be fun, like John Wick or something like that. Um, but I think what this really digs into is, which other movies do as well, but I think you, you just go one of the two routes you go is like, we're going full revenge. This is fun. Let's do this. Or you go, this is the cost of revenge. This is, this is the all consuming, um, part of your life now. And, and what is that actually going to cost you? Um, which, which this digs into, which I appreciate. Um, also, I mean, the fact that this is Hamlet, I think definitely makes it, um, kind of a known quantity. Uh, you know what you're getting yourself into here with it, but I do think, the way that it elevates, I think the, the female characters in this in an interesting way, um, that I definitely want to talk about more in spoilers. Um, I think really, really makes this movie, um, much better than it could have been overall. 
I still don't think that this movie is um, fantastic or as as good as The Lighthouse, even though I like it better than The Lighthouse. Interesting. Could you like – what do you mean by that? How do you like a movie better but yeah. you don't think it's as good? Which I, I, yeah. can, I can relate to, but I want to know specifically. Yes, yeah. I, I, think, I think for me, like, this, this movie is more up my alley than The Lighthouse. I think the characters are more accessible. I think the conflict is, is more accessible. I just think that this is more, a more commercial movie. Um, and so I, it's, it, feels, it feels more up my alley. I think, what I, I think what it doesn't do well is the actual leaning into like what is this world and why why are you doing this um uh, i'm trying to talk about it without talking about spoilers i think i think one of the things that again if you're going into this as this is a hamlet revenge film <laughs> i think one of the things that alexander scars guard does is really put himself in this like animalistic mentality for a lot of this movie mm-hmm. um which is fascinating to watch but i think it doesn't give you a lot of access to him as a human being he's kind of cut himself off and from you know his humanity and i think that's a lot of the point of this but i think one of the things that it it makes it hard to do is really empathize with a lot of his pain for most of the movie i think you get into a lot of (laughs) again hard to talk about this without talking about spoilers. You get into a lot of that near the end of the movie mm. um, and some of the pain and the hate and all of that kind of coming up. Um, but again, even though I feel like it, it really elevated the female characters in this movie, I don't think it gave you the, the right cathartic moments for that. Mm. Um, which again, I feel like I can only talk about some of these pieces sure. <laughs> in spoilers, but um, overall I felt, yeah, I felt, I felt like it was, it was very, I, I really enjoyed it, um, but I don't think it was as masterfully done um, as The Lighthouse. Yeah, that's really interesting. For me, the one thing that The Lighthouse has that this movie does not is The Lighthouse has this element of weird that yeah. I found super compelling. Um, and this movie is there, – there's definitely moments of like disgust in this movie, but not the strange weirdness that the lighthouse has. Um, really? I think there's some strange weird in here. I, 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 <laughs> I don't there, think it fits as well. There but. is, but not to the level of the White House. I think yeah. For me, the lighthouse, you are – like it's kind of fitting that it's – it doesn't take place on a boat, but it takes place at – at the sea, right? Mm-hmm. But it does. You kind of feel seasick when you're watching the white, yeah. ha- the lighthouse, because you feel so uneven. Like anything could. You're never really sure what's going to happen next or where the story's headed. Um, you're 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 sh- on shaky ground while you're watching that movie in a way that's like fascinating and and like keeps you engaged. Um, and I don't think that this movie has that same quality. That's not a criticism for me. That's just like a distinction between the two. Um, Mm -hmm. I ended up really loving this movie. Um, I think this movie, the scale was so exciting for me. The lighthouse is contained, you know, very like Mm -hmm. in, in, in story and in scale of, of like telling this movie or in, in making this film, but also, but the, the Northman gets to be huge and maybe it's just me after the pandemic, you know, having been in a house for two or three years now, however long it's been, um, I'm excited by stories that have big scale and that take me to 
faraway lands that have beautiful landscapes. Um, seeing those kind of movies on a big screen right now is really working for me. That's not the only thing I love about this movie, but it is the thing that like, I think initially just was thrilling and that makes me very rarely would I think I would ever want to rewatch a movie like this. Most of the time I wouldn't even watch a movie like this in the first place, but Mm -hmm. I definitely wouldn't want to rewatch it. But the beauty of this film and its scale does make me want to revisit this film. Um, Like you mentioned, I think Robert Eggers' visual style is so beautiful. He may, he's able to take content that is so gruesome and because he's, his movies are so intentional the way they're made they're um he laces them the brutality of his stories with such beautiful images that i it makes me able to watch them in a way that i never would watch a movie like this like i've said it more more than <laughs> once on this podcast um I, I just never would this is the kind of movie these like violent revenge filled grimy gruesome bloody movies have no interest appeal for me and yet his visual style is so gorgeous that i can't help but like love what i'm watching i also what i also really got into for the lighthouse and then continued to love in this movie is his appreciation of myth and how we as humans inhabit myths and and weave them into our, our daily practices, but also into like our spirituality. And this movie is very spiritual. Um, and I find that not a lot of movies these days actually really get into our characters' spirituality. Mm-hmm. What they what kind of god do they worship? What do they think happens after they die? How do they connect their spirit to the world? to each other. Um, These are things that like most films don't touch on. And they're things that I am fascinated by. I love when a film like chooses to delve into that world. And this movie definitely does. And I, I was so into that. Um, I also think it's like an all-star cast. Um, I Uh, love Ethan Hawke. I love Ethan Hawke so much. And he is really good in this movie, in my opinion. I watched it and was like, oh, that's right. This is why Ethan Hawke is a movie star. Mm-hmm. He's <laughs> so good. Um, I think Nicole Kidman, honestly, I think we do, even though she's a huge movie star and she's in so much, right? I do think she's still kind of underrated. I don't think people realize like she's in so much because she always delivers. Um, and she continues to deliver in this movie. I've already talked about how I think Anya Taylor, Anya Taylor joy is a, is a young star that I want to follow her whole career. Mm-hmm. And Alexander Skarsgård is great. I don't have a, like I've seen him in things, but I don't have this, um, uh, relationship with Alexander Skarsgård the way I have with these other actors. Yeah. Um, but he carries this film and it's a film that like, you have to be very talented to carry because it's such a yeah. big film. It takes a lot to carry this yeah. movie. And he does so wonderfully. Um, I, I loved this movie. For most of this movie, I was like, this is so amazing. I'm, I'm in love. I, I can't believe what I'm watching. Then I would say about three-fourths of the way 
through. The, my only real complaint is the length. I think the movie could have been shorter. And about three-fourths of the way through, it became a little tiresome. Even though I was loving what I was watching, yeah. I, I was ready for the movie to be over. And I never I mean, want... it's a very long movie. Yeah. It's and really it does long. get to a point to where you're like, I know where this is going. I know how this, like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's two hours and 16 minutes long. And yeah, when you know how it's going to end, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And also, even though it, I think it handles its brutality very well, it still is brutal. And yeah. <laughs> that length of a movie with that kind of content it does wear on a person. And I whenever I'm watching a movie and I start looking at a clock being like, "Oh, how much do I have left of this?" Yeah. That's I always hate when that actually happens, and it did happen with this film. Yeah. So that's the only thing that knocked it down for me. Um was that I started to feel that way and the length is like this burden on the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think th- um the 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 third act really is the thing that that I think I disconnected from the most one because obviously you know where it's going, but also because of, um, um, well, I can't talk about that till spoilers. All right. Well, we'll get that later. well I'm ready to talk about spoilers if you are. Okay. Let's, let's dig into spoilers for this. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. I think the thing that really, pushed me over the edge for this movie that really made me very annoyed is you know he gets he gets this prophecy early on about like here's how he can here's um, how you're going to get your revenge exactly here's how you're going to get your revenge and you're going to eventually have to choose between the hate and then the love of your family like those those are the two things you're going to have to choose between and so you you have that set up and you know that that's the thing and you watch this build over time that he finally has something that he loves and he will have to choose can he save his family or can he have his revenge? In addition to that, we have also seen throughout this movie, honestly, how difficult it is to be a woman in this world. Yeah. <laughs> that is something that this movie has shown really well. <laughs> and how basically you have to tie yourself to a man. You have to make sure that you are in a position to not have your life absolutely ruined. You have to put yourself in a position where you tie yourself to a man who can not even protect you, but like put you in a situation where you you will be in a better spot than you were before. Mm -hmm. And we've watched that happen this whole movie. And then at the end we get to this point where he has decided to save his wife. And when he finds out that she is pregnant, (laughs) he's basically like, okay, well, cool. I can have both. I can, you know, my lineage is, is good. I'm going to go have my revenge now. Yeah. And that really annoyed me a lot. Mm. And this and, and not not even that that's what he chooses because I think you can have that be the choice and it be that tragedy of he's going to choose his revenge, but the fact that he, in his mind he thinks that he can have both that it's like Yeah. that as like you're obviously not having both. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I mean I think it is a cop out to say like I choose both, you right. know. Right. Um but not one that bothered me particularly. Yeah. Uh, I think it just annoyed me so much because, again, at that point, we do know then what the, what the whole rest of this movie looks like. Right. From, from here on out. And so it's like, okay, well, that's annoying that now he's going into this with that mindset and we know exactly how the rest of this played out. So I have to sit here for the next 30 minutes watching it happen. Yes. Even I, though it happened beautifully and is, you know, enjoyable. Right. But, yeah. I agree. that That is the point where the movie – 
really started to be like, well, yeah, I know what's coming. So like, yeah. let's get through it. Right. Um, I will say that like shortly after that point, once we got to the gates of hell, which is the end of the movie, but it doesn't, it still feels like there's stuff to happen, you yeah. know, like, yeah. I was so ready for the movie to be over once we got to the gates of hell. Yes. Like <laughs> after like, he had killed everybody, yeah, <laughs> it's just just him and Klaus Bang that left. Which I have to say, I do think Klaus Bang does a fantastic job in this movie. I Definitely. think he is truly fantastic, and I think his not rehabilitation, but like you see him at the beginning as the evil uncle, mm. um, and but then you also get to see him how he loves his kids and how he's, you know, trying to train them to be good leaders and that kind of thing. And, you know, they're not, but all, all of that stuff where it's like, let's give him a little more humanity. Let's put something there um, for you to kind of grab onto. I think it's a really smart move and really, I think works well in this film. So when you get to the gates of hell, you're like, ah, these guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no. one thing that I found interesting is I, I also, one thing I love about this movie is I do love a prophecy. Prophecies and stories always like <laughs> get me going. Um, I love. I like knowing what to expect, right? And then like see, tell someone saying this is what's going to happen, and then you're like, oh, I can't wait for that thing to happen that they said is going <laughs> to happen. Um, but one thing I found interesting that that kind of surprised me in this movie is that part of that prophecy was that um, he will. He will make way for a maiden king, which, of course, my ears perked up at the sound of that. Like, oh, <laughs> that sounds fun. Can't wait to see the maiden king. Um, and I, of course, kept thinking it would be Anya Taylor-Joy would be the new. Would She seemed – she was being positioned in, in this role of being cunning and, like – Yeah. Um, and so I kept thinking, like – she's going to take over in some way or like he'll, he will die and then everyone will turn to her as a form, form of leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was a twist for me that the maiden King that was referred to was his daughter. Um, and so that's not a complaint, just something that like caught me by surprise. I did love the family tree stuff and him having a vision of his future children. I love the idea of this like twin boy and twin girl and, and imagining like, how does the girl become the King? Um, that's really exciting for me. All of the spirituality and magic of this film, the, the witches, the prophecies, the worshiping of the gods, um, the animalistic stuff that like pairing mm -hmm. all the animalistic stuff with their spirituality, I thought was so interesting and cool. Yeah, there was there was so much that really worked for me in this. What are some of their spoiler things that we want to talk about? I think okay. So, did you go into it knowing this is Hamlet, or no, like the not you know, at all. the precursor that Hamlet's based on? Yeah, okay. no. I wish I hadn't known that going into it. I was mm. like, this is Viking Hamlet. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I think you like it, just gives you the beats in advance. Um, in a way that you're just kind of waiting for them the whole time. And I think it does turn some of them on their head, but it's not like this isn't trying to um, be a subversive version of Hamlet at all. Um, but I do think that one of the things that you get with a Hamlet type story is this kind of fate 
aspect of it of like this like what's gonna happen is gonna happen mm-hmm. um and i like that in a movie to an extent like you said like having the prophecy of saying like these are the beats good luck <laughs> um but i think one of the things that is so interesting with what robert eggers does is as he's filming this like you get these devastating moments of him realizing you know the, you know his mother is in on it the whole time and um and um kind of the his you know finding the you know the the slaver's boat and like like realizing that um you know his his uncle is now in iceland like all of these things that like come up that you're just like these are surprises to him and it's fun to watch him kind of react to them i think the things that i don't like are the things that are just feel like okay now i'm just following these beats so i've got to find the 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 the, the he witch guy and i've got to go go get the sword and i've got to like it feels like a video game like you're mm. just playing that out it's like i gotta do this and then i gotta do this whereas some of those other moments feel like you actually get to see his reaction and him thinking about it and like those kinds of things yeah. really brought me into it um i have to fl- i have to make a confession here while of course i like am familiar with the general plot of hamlet i've never like read or seen a production of hamlet so like okay. um got it the, well you've seen the lion king the yeah lion of king course i've seen the lion so. king I, 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 I get it but i have never like yeah. sat i couldn't tell you like plot by plot beat by beat what happens in hamlet yeah um, yeah and so that was not running through my mind at all and and when watching this mm-hmm. the i do want us to talk about nicole kidman and that, like, I think really great twist of a scene. Um, which this is one of her best performances in quite a while. Which, I mean, it's not like she's been slacking or anything. Sure. It's just like this is a very, very good performance. She's really good. When this movie started, um, again, I, I didn't watch any trailers. So I had no context mm. for, like, wh- whose character was going to be who, right? Yeah. Movie starts and it's like Ethan Hawke and Nicole Kidman and a young blonde boy. And so eventually like, oh, that's going to be Alexander Skarsgård. Like the blonde Mm -hmm. is like, tell you know, that's my cue, right? (laughs) A part of me was kind of like, oh, so Nicole, like I wasn't sure how much Nicole Kidman we were going to actually get in this movie, right? If if she's playing his mother as a a child Mm -hmm. or maybe a preteen, you know, I don't know how old he was supposed to be. Part of me was like, hmm, maybe Nicole Kidman's not in a lot of this movie. Part of me also was like, if she does come back, I couldn't escape the, th- the thought of oh, how tough that is that she and Alexander Skarsgård played husband and wife in Big Little <laughs> yeah. Lies, and yeah. now she's his mother, <laughs> and, and his love interest is is 26-year-old Anya Taylor-Joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck that. <laughs> Although I, I say that half-heartedly because I do think this movie is perfectly cast. You know, like I yeah. think Nicole Kidman actually is really good at playing the same character in different ages. Um, yeah. I think she can play much younger than she is and she can play much older than she is really well. Um, mm. One of her, her talents. And so that but that thought was residing in my head. Like how much is Nicole Kidman actually going to get to do in this movie? And so then when we get to that scene where she reveals that she was kind of the mastermind behind this mm-hmm. whole thing it's interesting because she's so good in that scene that even though alexander skarsgård is our protagonist and you're rooting for his revenge this whole movie 
while that scene was happening, I fully switched sides. I fully was like on board with her entire plot. Um, I wanted to believe in like the love between her and, you know, the the brother, uncle. Um, I wanted to believe that like her idea was a good idea. Like that she was being smart and thoughtful and, and wanting like a better life. And until she gets to the point where she says like, (laughs) and I ordered for him to kill you. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, okay. You're you're a villain. (laughs) Oh, you're just a terrible mom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're you're yeah. you're definitely still a villain. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so to see in one scene to go from her being this like super th- sympathetic character to being like so wicked and evil, like on a turn of a dime. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. The scene was incredible. I yeah, I I think she's truly great. I think one of the things that you get to see that progression is how much she loves her new kids. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of her relationship there. So I I it's I won't say that I saw all of that coming, mm. but I will say that I I saw like I think she could be more involved in this than Alexander Skarsgård realizes. Yeah. And I think that kind of emotional journey that he goes on in that 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 hut was fantastic yeah. and she is just so good it was also very funny that in a movie that has so many moments that make you want to like cringe and and look away yeah. that yeah. everyone in my theater the strongest reaction was the kiss that they shared Same. in that scene yeah yeah, <laughs> I did not have Same. that reaction, but the person sitting next to me, vis- like verbally, was like, "Oh, like yeah. he, like he couldn't yeah. stand it." You could um, feel everybody just in the theater and just go. Oh. I just <laughs> find like... that fascinating. That like the you know that how the human psyche works. That like we yeah. can literally watch intestines fall out. Of, or that some people can like right. have no problem watching intestines fall out of a person or a nose get sliced off a face. Yeah. Um, but like a little incest of, of a kiss, <laughs> not even like a sexy, just like a, like a, a barely kiss, like really yeah. did people in. I think it, for me, it was, I think it's very much the, the mindset of that, of like, yes. Okay. Go kill my new husband. And then, and then I, and then I'll just, you know, tie myself to you now. Just mm-hmm. like that. Her whole like mentality is just like, Oh, come on lady. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> A great, a, a great scene. A movie, yeah. a scene that like was a perfect like piece of acting, but that also like really energized the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I also really loved that. In certain ways, it kind of felt like a heist movie, right? Yeah. Um, him and Anya Taylor Joy's character like working together and and plotting and scheming. I really love that his revenge was not just I'm going to kill this man, but that he mm-hmm. was going to like make his life a nightmare. He was going to like build yeah. up to it and like torment that whole like guard of leadership. Um, that I found thrilling. And yeah. Yeah. I wish Anya Taylor-Joy had had more to do. Yeah. With, with with this, just at the beginning when, when, you know, when they're first teaming up, she's like, she's like, you know, you will break 
their your something like will... you're strong i will break their minds like yeah. i have cunning i will break their minds and it's like oh how are you gonna break their minds and it's like oh with drugs it's just drugs yeah. <laughs> like that's all that's all she really yeah. <laughs> did she didn't get a chance to like manipulate them like right with i i don't feel like she got to use her cunning in a way that was that would have been very fun to see so yeah i i agree that she could have had more to do I, I, the stuff that she does get to do though the, i mean the drugs is fun but for me like her real role is like not of here are the cunning ways that i'm going to manipulate the people around us it was more like i'm going to use my wisdom and like cunning mm-hmm. to keep you grounded and focused yeah. and in the right direction and like she was such a, like a and that was a that kind of role in a partnership i do find really fascinating and i really loved their like love story and connection it was like so mystical and grounded and and um yeah it, sexy but that was not the the focus you know in, mm-hmm. in a way that i really liked Um, I think this, I think in the hands of a different filmmaker, this movie could have been way more sex forward and I love a sex forward movie, but I think that it was the right choice to not go that direction for this story. Yeah. Yeah. There was so much that worked. Oh, I mean, I think we just have to talk about Ethan Hawke a little bit more. (laughs) I loved every single thing he was doing in this movie. When there was that scene of them like acting like dogs in the chamber. I was kind of like, wow, Ethan Hawke is like, how old is Ethan Hawke? And he's yeah. doing this really well. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, he's such a good actor and he really just, I feel like we've seen so many times where like great actors play a king for a little bit in a movie yeah. and it's just like, yeah, you're and just there to be. stoic and like, right. yeah. You're, we, you're there we, to bring gravitas and yes. look powerful. And he does that, but then he also does everything else that he does in this movie, which is wild and insane and just extremely impressive. So, yeah, he adds like he he brings that gravitas, but he Mm -hmm. also adds this like manic energy and this charm to that character um, Mm -hmm. that made me like love him just as much as like the son idolizes and loves him like. You you really yeah. get the sense of like, oh, this is a good king. This is a king that like people want to are happy to let lead them. It was interesting at the end where when Nicole Kidman's character re- reveals like, you know, he was not as good as you think. I think I left the movie being like, who was actually telling the truth there? Like, I think you could. I think interpret- she was because you get to see their interaction mm-hmm. that one time. I think. When he gets home. I think she was telling the truth in their relationship. That like. Yeah. He was not good to her. But I don't know that. I think she portrayed him as a villainous king. And I don't know that that was actually the truth either. You know. Yeah. I think he was just a a bad husband. And a um, overly obsessed fighter. Like not interested in actually. Like he. He reminds me of like one of those dads who like likes his kids but doesn't actually care about mm-hmm. his kids, you know, mm-hmm. who like I'm not doing what's best for them. I'm doing what's best for me. And yeah. if that lines up with being nice to my kid or like being the fun dad kind of a situation. Yeah. Um, 
And that that that's kind of what I read him as. Yeah. I do think that it was so smart to include that scene of the uncle teaching his son to build the fence. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of get the sense like, oh, this is like a thoughtful leader that this isn't just, yeah, yeah a, a violent villainous figure. Um, it didn't help that his other son was such an asshole. Like <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're like, okay, you, you did not do well with one of mm-hmm. these kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was it. That I, I guess another small complaint is that that other son was so unlikable, and his death was not that big of a deal. Like it was just he was in right. his sleep, and it was a, a yeah. sword through the body. I would have of all the deaths to relish, which I don't typically relish violence. That would have been the one that I think I would have been excited by, and mm-hmm. we didn't get much of it. Yeah, I think the other piece that this story really digs into is like this kind of violence is just continually passed on and so it's just like there's like the revenge cycle goes on forever and he really did end the revenge cycle here by just killing everyone right (laughs) um but i do think like that idea could have been pushed a little farther if he had killed the uncle first Mm. like if, if that had happened and then he had to continue to deal with you know the son kind of a thing right um I don't. I don't think that works story wise, just because the son isn't, you know, the main focus focus of this. But just like the idea that it's like this violence goes on forever, except in this situation where if you absolutely kill everybody, then the violence does end. <laughs> so yeah, I I do when during that scene where he does finally is like, okay, I've got to kill them all, and he mm-hmm. ends up killing the boy. Yeah, even though. Like, narratively, you know, like, he's got to kill this kid because, like, Mm -hmm. otherwise that kid's going to grow up to be him, you know, and come after him and his sons. You're still – there's still – that's the moment where you're kind of like, oh, he's going to kill a kid. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I do love that scene where – the uncle comes in and kind of we we get a moment but where they yeah. don't immediately fight. You get the get, timeout. Yeah. Like. <laughs> the timeout where they get to like both kind of grieve. Um I like that this movie also like it's a movie about violence, but that's also about grieving. I don't know that mm-hmm. all violent movies show the spiritual process of grief in this way. Um I think that's really the way it makes it special. Yeah. Um, I'm just seeing that Bjork was in this movie. Yeah, she's the she's the the seer. Yeah, I didn't realize that when I was watching it. Yeah. That's pretty fun. It was a big marketing push on uh, about her. <laughs> I don't know how movie, I missed so, so much of the marketing for this movie. <laughs> I don't know how either. <laughs> yeah. But I think it I think it served you well. Yeah, no, it definitely did. Um Yeah. Yeah. So I would definitely recommend this movie to people. Um especially if they've seen like the lighthouse of the witch and they know kind of what they're getting involved in. Yeah. Um, I think my dad would like this movie. I'm probably going to text him to, to yeah. give this one a watch. I don't know if anyone else, if this would be a dad movie that they could recommend. I'm always on the hunt for those. It um, definitely feels like a dad movie. I feel yeah. like there are, there are dad movies that are violent like this, but I do feel like a lot of dad movies are like, more of the, like the glorified violence ones where there's not as much blood, but you know, like, right. like that. But I, I do, I do feel like this is a good dad movie. Yeah. I mean, it's on the nose, but I think anyone who is into game of Thrones would be into this. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Also, I <laughs> I forgot about this. The one thing that I do want to call out is he can't help but shoot everything so pretty, prettily, prettily. Yeah. Yeah. It, every every shot is beautiful in this. And there's this one moment when they first get to Iceland that um I think Anya Taylor Joy is like, oh, yeah, this place is a shithole. <laughs> just like, this place is gorgeous. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, look at this place. I saw <laughs> the village you were living in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Look at where you came from, where it's like ninety percent mud and all yeah. of a sudden you have these waterfalls and these green hills. Yeah. And she's just like, We gotta get off this rock. <laughs> like <laughs> It was like, come on. Um, <laughs> also, it does not help that I'm going to Iceland next week. And oh so my gosh, I, am, I can't believe you're going to Iceland next week. How the whole time amazing. I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I cannot wait. So Wow. This is, I, I wonder if people are going to be watching this on the plane to Iceland. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, well, I'm excited for you to be in Iceland. I can't wait to hear how it compares to the real thing. Uh, <laughs> Probably a lot safer yeah. overall. So I, 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 that's my hope for you. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, do you have any other final thoughts about the Northmen? I don't think so. I thought it was. A, I thought it was a really good movie. <laughs> so. Um. Yeah, this is a four star movie for me. It, yeah. For most of this movie, it was a four and a half star. I was so yeah. into it, and then by the end, I was kind of like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over. This is a four star movie now. Yeah. I would say for most of the movie, it was a four star movie, and then at the end, I gave it a three and a half. <laughs> so. But that's still a very good movie. I still like it a lot. We might take a little bit of a break so that Lucas can go to Iceland. So (laughs) um, you'll probably catch us back in June, I would imagine. Yep. um, For the summer movie season. Exciting. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 